Welcome to the Heart-Centered Therapist Podcast, the podcast created for you, the therapist who leads with your heart and loves serving your clients. I'm Cindy Gozanski, your host. I know that being a heart-centered therapist is immensely rewarding and powerful and intensely challenging and difficult. We're on this journey together. My mission is to help you continue loving your work as a therapist, surviving being a therapist, and feeling more connected as a therapist. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Heart-Centered Therapist podcast. Today is going to be amazing. I will introduce you to my fabulous guest. Psychotherapist Ira Israel is the author of Wired and Tired, as well as How to Survive Your Childhood Now That You're an Adult, which is endorsed by, get this, Sting, Reverend Michael Beckwith, Marianne Williamson, Jack Cornfield, Shauna Shapiro, Warren Luskin, Catherine Woodward Thomas, Jai Utal, Joanne Cacciatore, Lauren Roche, many, many more. Ira teaches sold-out workshops at Esalen and Kripalu and has written over 400 articles on psychology, philosophy, Buddhism, yoga, film, art, music, and literature for The Huffington Post, Good Men Project, Mind Body Green, Thrive Global, and Medium. Ira is also the producer, writer, and actor of the best-selling series Authenticity and Awakening for Lovable Idiots, A Beginner's Guide to Happiness, A Beginner's Guide to Mindfulness Meditation, Mindfulness for Depression, Mindfulness for Anxiety, and Yoga for Depression and Anxiety. He graduated from the University of Pennsylvania and has graduate degrees in psychology, philosophy, and religious studies. And you can find out so much more about him at iraisrael.com. But first, welcome, Ira. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Cindy. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm super excited. I say that all the time, but this is this is really exciting for me. You have so much to offer, such an interesting background, and I have already been on your website, on your YouTube, on your TikTok. I mean, his resources are amazing. So I'd love to just start out with understanding a little about how you got here to this point, your your personal and professional journey to becoming a therapist. Well, I grew up in, I was born in the Bronx, and then I make a joke and I say my parents escaped to Connecticut. So <laughs> I grew up in Stamford, Connecticut, where it was super middle class at that time. And in 1985, there was a car accident, and it mm. got me asking these questions because I had a lot of free time because uh, my leg was shattered into hundreds of pieces and my face was blown off my head. So I spent oh basically gosh. an inordinate amount of time in supine, in, in bed, and gosh. I was in traction. So when people talk about you know trauma-based therapies and things like that, you know whether it's uh, Peter Levine or, or, mm -hmm. or Bessel van der Kolk or those people, I understand what they're talking about. It's your lived experience. I was asking, which is a common theme, like what's the meaning of life? Like why do you, why does pain exist and all these things? So for eight years, I studied philosophy. And then I got hurt in Thailand. And then that sent me on a trajectory for another eight years where I ended up 
studying a lot of shamanistic things, getting into mm -hmm. meditation and yoga. And then I got a graduate degree from UCSB in religious studies, where I studied Buddhism, Hinduism, and Kabbalah. And then for another eight years, I studied psychology to understand mm -hmm. like attachment theory and why we are, I'll say, I'll just say it in the first person, why I suck at relationships, right? <laughs> and then I was teaching yoga at Rodney Yee's studio while I was doing my uh, psychotherapy internship in Berkeley. And a voice went off in my head and it said, okay, you've just spent 25 years, you know, after the car accident being indulgent, it's time to give back. And I made, that was whatever year that was, 2008. And I made Yoga for Depression and Anxiety. And it became a bestseller on Amazon within three months. And now for the past, whatever that is, 15 years, I feel like I'm living my purpose. I'm living my vocation. Mm -hmm. So it, like the game for me as an adult is to learn how to choose to be compassionate rather than smart in particular situations. And which is why mm -hmm. I love being a psychotherapist because it's like a chess game in some ways. Oh my goodness. And I just love what you said that you get, you choose to be compassionate rather than smart in some situations. And whether it's in your work as a psychotherapist or in your work as a teacher, right? We're, we're still also in these leadership capacities you know, whether it's overt or not, and bringing the compassion instead of the criticism, or instead of that, uh, I know better, you know, it's a much more collaborative so, approach. I've been studying Lacan Absolutely. for the past 10 years, and he writes these topographs to this, to this topology, mm -hmm. uh, symbols to try to, I think, you know, you to, to show us another way of seeing the our psychological interactions with Lotzka, whatever else is out there besides our subjective experience and how it, it influences the way we think and react. And I don't actually get that. I'm not like a like the topology, but you know, I accept the fact that I'm trapped in a language and the only perspective I can ever have is Ira's perspective. And <laughs> I, I'm wrong a lot of the time. And you can admit that. You can say that. You know what? You do not suck at relationships anymore. If you can say I'm wrong. But I mean, even just going back to that rationality, right? That that we hold that so high. And yet that's not necessarily the truth. Or we're symbol makers with our right. language. We're trapped in our language, in our symbols. And yet there are other levels or other planes totally that, that we I operate from. Well, I was just about to go there. So my understanding of spirituality is um, if you can say it, it's not it. Mm -hmm. I mean, in our tradition, there's G dash D, you know, right. it's ineffable. So I think that a lot of our problems uh, arise from a foibles of, of our, our brains, which are mm -hmm. basically, you know, Hegel talks about uh, dialectic, which is not actually Hegel, it's Fichte, uh, but, it, but it's attributed to Hegel. And um, our brains think like black, not white, tall, not short, mm -hmm. uh, grass, not asphalt, sky, not ocean. And we think in antinomies. And mm -hmm. I think that that's the problem because, you know, my latest book basically in a subtle manner argues for relativism, which is mm -hmm. like Buddhism, 
uh, or, or relativism is espoused by Buddhism. And uh, it's a, my book is against dogmatism, which essentially shows up in our world as fundamentalism. Like mm -hmm. fundamentalism is that like, I need to reify my beliefs. And if you, the Native Americans, don't believe what I, Christopher Columbus, believe, then I'm sorry, but I have to kill you. Yeah, that's dogmatism, right? And then His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, says, if you're a Jew, don't convert to Buddhism. Be, just be a good Jew. That's mm -hmm. relativism, mm -hmm. right? They, like relativists don't proselytize. We just show people by example, like I'm leading a relatively healthy life. That was funny. Uh, um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and if you want to know how I do it, it's because I'm not uh, clinging on for dear life to this absurd belief system that in 40 years will be totally antiquated. Do you worry about this stuff? I don't worry about it. It just, it's like, I don't know who discovered water, but that was a fish. If you can be that fish for, for, for five seconds, mm -hmm. when you're meditating in the morning, then when someone cuts you off in the afternoon and your normal reaction is to, uh, I see, that's an interesting thing. What I just said, normal reaction. Yeah. That's it's not normal, but like we, we have these unhealthy maladaptive reactions of anger, and sadness and frustration and disappointment to things that like we know are going to happen like i'm going to get right. cut off on the, on the freeway today i know that's going to happen right and so yeah. do i have a choice in that moment you know to scream obscenities and think that i'm writing some cosmic justice in the world by calling this other person a jerk like that, that you know it's totally nonsensical like yeah. most of our actions during the day whether it's uh what's that shopping therapy like right you understand Buddhism, the root of all the uh, suffering is desire. So yes, your purchase of having a shopping victory and getting that $4,000 dress for $87, that's a fucking victory. Will it make right. you happy? Absolutely. Will that happiness last more last. than? Right. No. So just, no. just be aware of what you're doing. Right. Right. Well, I mean, that's one of your areas of expertise, Ira, is happiness. And what is happiness? So, I mean, we're kind of landing on that now. Let's do it. Let's do so it. The only, the only thing that correlates strongly with happiness is the quality of your intimate relationships. There's no plan mm -hmm. B. Nothing else matters. Like, if you want to be happy, connect with other people. Yeah. And we live in this fucked up society where people get their uh, definition of themselves, their personal identity, primarily through work. Mm -hmm. And that's a recipe for disaster because uh, your job's <laughs> going to change, your career's going right. to change. Work unless you're unless you're curing leukemia today, like you're you're probably you know like you're shuffling bits on a screen or papers or you know I mean I don't I I mean it's the the self righteousness. Mm -hmm of, um, you know, we all need to be a little bit more humble, like his holiness is like, I'm a simple Buddhist monk or Jayutal, like I'm just a bhakti right. yogi, you know, I'm just yeah. like, I'm just doing my thing. Yeah. And that's what I call like vocation, voco in Latin means calling. So like you, you just, and um, the best example of this is Elizabeth Gilbert's Ted talk, where it's like, I don't, I don't care if I'm paid or if I'm not mm -hmm. paid, like I'm going to get up and do this thing that I do like writing and teaching like every day, yeah. you know, I could be wherever I am. I'm I, that's cause that's my vocation. That's what the universe right. is calling me to do. 
as opposed to some people are like, you know, uh, uh, I need to accumulate wealth or I need to have uh, 45 stamps in my passport or I need to stay at this destination hotel or something like right. th those things don't bring happiness. But but we've a lot of people have been because of capitalism have been deluded into this system of having to accumulate accumulate money and then dispense it in in totally bizarre and absurd ways for for mm -hmm. status that's ephemeral and weird and when you actually meet those people in those first class lounges or behind the red the yeah. whatever that is or you know I've been to like the academy awards and I've been to these places and the people are nice but like the re the real people really don't want to be there at these things it's just mm. a show it's like a circus but then when you have dinner with them in like a private place they're super chill and cool, you know, mm, right. Um, it's like, right. like understand what part of our society is the, the theater. Sorry. I almost theater and drama. Yes. There's so much. And it's, it's even, it's right. more rampant with all of the social curation around social media and oh my God. You know, just the presence, but, you know, going back for a minute, what you said, like about Elizabeth Gilbert and her work includes that humility includes that, that calling or that other that other level of of purpose and there's connection with it so maybe somebody who loves their work and experiences connections and the humility then they might continue doing their work for a very totally. long time you know i i and think it, that that's so possible I, I had a, a revelation yesterday and this is a little esoteric but I, i'll try to get it down so in lacan has um we have needs and then we have demands when we express them and then we have desires and then there's the drive. And for me, I made this distinction yesterday where in Buddhism, you should do things but not be attached to the outcomes. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's that's the distinction between Lacan's desire, like I desire a fancy car and then you get it and then you'll you'll it'll be it, you know, you'll make you happy for 18 months and then you, you won't right. be. Um, and then the drive is like, no, I'm living my purpose. Like I'm living my passion. I jump out of bed every morning and I do my thing. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and it doesn't matter. I don't know how to, I don't have a strategy. It's just like, if I feel the spirit move <laughs> me to write today, I'm yeah. going to write. Uh, if I want to go hiking, I'm going to go hiking. And that's the way I think. Um, you know, there's a, the, the, in the new book, I talk about autonomy and you, like when you take a job, particularly for a high paying job, you are giving up your freedom. Mm -hmm. the, more, the more money you make, expect to get phone calls during the night. Like your, your sleep will be, your lunches will right. be disturbed or whatever. So, you know, it's a very interesting phenomenon, the, what people are proud of here. Like for me, my autonomy is correlated with, I'm so sorry, with happiness. So mm -hmm. if you have the freedom to decide who you want to be, what you want to do and when you want to do it, it's hard to be depressed. I think I, I you mm -hmm. know, and you have those loving connections and you can, you know how to build them and grow them. But if you go into a cubicle and sit in front of a glass screen for 14 hours a day, whether you're playing World of Warcraft or whatever that thing is, or <laughs> mining Bitcoin, or right. I don't even, I don't know, but it's just like all of these are 
engendering the epidemics of depression and anxiety that we're facing in our culture, as well yes. as uh, suicide and opioid addiction. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and the impact it's having on our youth, all, all of those things, you know, and, and young teens, um, it's going back for a second, Ira, when, what's, what do you feel helps one engender and create those connections? Because a lot of people don't know anymore. I mean, especially with the, the pandemic and everything that happened, I think, you know, we're lost about relationships. I'm a couples therapist, you know, primarily. So I, I love the attachment focus you have. I believe in that. But I think there's still every day I see people completely lost in how to yeah. form connections. And the reason is, is because we've diluted to ourselves into thinking that we're connecting through texting and zooming. And as I say in the first book, mirror neurons do not fire via text message. Mirror neurons do not fire via text message. So for me, the most important thing is, and this is a total mm -hmm. bias because I spent my 20s in Paris and New York, it's dinner parties. It's, mm -hmm. it's eight people. And the thing that I remember romantically- You're making us so nostalgic for Paris. <laughs> well, the thing that I remember romantically is there was, there was just- there's something called the Prix Goncourt in Paris. I don't. Uh, there's the Booker Prize. I think that's out of the UK. I don't know what we have in the United States, but like there was this weird thing when I lived there 30 years ago, where if you went to a dinner party, you were kind of like, and this is a very odd term, like intellectually responsible for mm -hmm. knowing like the most provocative films that were in the theaters, the most interesting uh, records, the like LP records and CDs and the like the Prix Goncourt. And I just remember, you know, like being at a dinner table and we all happened to have had read the, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the book that won that year. And we had like a exhilarating four hour conversation. Now what's happened since the internet is that, you know, like I look at, Facebook and you look at TikTok and she looks at Snapchat and he looks at Twitter and it's we've there's there's infinite uh mm. stimuli and so for me it's very very difficult to find common ground and the interesting thing is being a psychotherapist we really need to learn uh how to establish rapport with people i love finding commonalities in order to get those mirror neurons firing right. and establish trust because essentially our mind can hold the names and faces of 150 people because we're tribal in nature. And so I have to determine very quickly if you're a member of my tribe or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also that's another great example of being trapped in the language, in the symbols, in the things that we rely on, which become constricting and constraining versus just meeting face to face, whether it's you and I, or with a client and finding, finding those commonalities or, you know, and I, I'm always trying to share with my interns, that's okay. Just have some conversation, you know, you don't have to like dive into the problem right away because it's, it's that rapport that it, there's no way to really describe how to do it because it comes from well, that. Just like you, you have to be a citoyen du monde. You have to be a citizen. A hundred percent. Yeah. And you cannot be live in, in a shell. 
and 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 build know how to build rapport with people you know mm -hmm. but that citoyen du monde is what we're missing without the dinner parties it's what we're missing because we don't bring that to the dinner parties to the connection to that that sense of we can relate and we have something to offer or you know like or there's that joke you've seen right where the person is sitting in the middle of the what was it like maybe a curb your enthusiasm episode did you ever see that where the person is sitting in the middle and he shouldn't be in the middle because he can't carry the conversation for the dinner party oh, I didn't have see you that. seen that episode send me a link later i'll watch okay. it that's yeah, brilliant <laughs> Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's the problem with the, the what the internet. I mean, it's democratized the world. There's the long tail, so people like me can make a DVD and it can become a bestseller. And not you know, like there's the wonderful things about the internet. There, but in terms of uh, you know having finding commonalities with people to just speak about things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do this exercise in, in, and um, I'll tell people to say absurd things to each other or to speak in foreign languages to each other. And then I'll say, why did I did, do that? And then I'll say, because this exercise is about the process, not the content. And there's a Albert Morabian from UCLA in the 70s did a study where 93% of all communications are nonverbal. So mm -hmm. like, just like, even this is better than uh phone. And then I, you know, I compare text messaging right. to smoke signals or hieroglyphics or cave paintings. Like you're not getting the feeling that you really, it's very difficult to be sarcastic or even ironic. It could go awry very quickly. And so we've become reliant on this means of communication, which I've seen destroy hundreds of potentially beautiful relationships because right. of of we're not getting the tone of it exactly. from our eye contact and the nodding of the head and I can't see if you're shaking your leg or not or you know right exactly so again to your point text messaging is not connecting <laughs> so dinner so you, to answer your original question <laughs> is I would say have dinner parties with two or three people and have them invite strangers and just, you know, who are friends mm -hmm. of theirs and really d d like look for, I mean, if you have to, you can make a theme for the evening. Like we're going to discuss whatever, you know, mm -hmm. and, right. and just so that people come and they don't, they don't go into their own thing of like, oh my God, I was watching TikTok today. Did you see the girl from Belize do the thing on the beach? And right. I'm like, no, I'm not on TikTok. I'm sorry. And then the other person. And so we, that was a total miss. And then the next person's like, oh, I went shopping at Neiman Marcus today. They had shoes right. on sale for $30. Isn't that great? And then none of us did that thing. So that's a miss. And then I say, oh, did you see in the New York Times today that uh, Seymour Hearst said that the pipeline was blown up by the US and no one's read the New York Times. And they're like, that's a total mess, right? Mm, so right. Like, we're all looking to connect, but that we have very unrefined tools because of the internet. So yeah. there's, you know, it's done wonderful things, the Arab Spring and, and mm -hmm. you know. Right, absolutely. There's there's wonderful things. The internet, I mean, it's we're not going to go backwards, but in terms of human connection, yeah, we, we have to figure out some other way where we are just able to find commonalities. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And probably, as you mentioned, like, what, what would your grandmother say? She would probably have endorsed the dinner party. <laughs>
Of just course. talk to people. That's how you connect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I really, uh, breaking bread, you know, is just so important. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. the other thing that's really interesting to me now, I should not be saying this is I'll sit with one particular friend and I'll, I'll make us dinner and I'll serve it. And before I sit down, she, she puts her fork in the thing and is like tasting it. And she went to a good school. It's very interesting when you sit with people because you learn things like that, like mannerisms, like, and, you know, and things like that. So that's why I'm, for me, it's all about breaking bread. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and that could be a a totally different topic, but ritual can be so important for those connections for sure. So we've talked about so many things and I want to be sure we get to hear a little bit of your take, Ira, on how to survive your childhood now that you're an adult and the notion of forgiveness, forgiveness and resentment, because you so beautifully describe that and you could really help so many people even more with this. So chapter nine in how to survive your childhood now that you're an adult, maybe it's chapter 10. I talk about, this might seem paradoxical, but all of us should say our parents did the best they could with the tools at the time. And parenting comes in ebbs and flows. And I'm 56. You know, I heard these stories of my parents because of the Cold War having to go under desks in New Mm -hmm. York City when they were eight years old. And there was the traces of, you know, the Holocaust, the Shoah. And so and they were afraid another Hitler would come up. So like there's a swath, you know, I looking backwards, Mm -hmm. you could say as non-judgmentally as possible that compared to parents today, uh, like my parents, I don't know about yours or like we're, we're emotionally withholding, but that's only because of the evolution of things. I mean, we could have gone in a completely other direction and I could be being caned, you know, uh, you know, right. So, yeah. So it's just, it, you have to look back at, at these things as it could be a devolution. So I, it's a change in mm-hmm. parenting styles. And so, in order to release the resentments that your mind creates, because your mind is built to do things such as uh, woulda, coulda, shoulda, didn't. Like, oh, if my parents didn't send me to whatever, like I wouldn't be this tough, right? right. And, and, and and I love how you call that grievance stories, grievance right. stories that we make up and, and you name it, woulda, shoulda, coulda. Like, right. That's huge. Every therapist should be using that as a tool going forward with your clients. (laughs) Oh, you're very kind. And then for me, what's interesting, uh, when I teach this, I know that people can't see it because it's a podcast, I'll be in a group of people and I'll say, okay, raise your hands, you know, and then Mm -hmm. on the count of three, I'd like you to clap last Thursday. One, two, clap last Thursday. And then, you know, I have this room full of people from MIT and Stanford and Yale, and they start to, you know, like get this nervous laughter. And I say, you can't change the past. What good does it do complaining about it? Mm -hmm. Right. So anytime your mind says, like, I'd be happy now if I got divorced or if I got married or if I bought this car, if I had this job or whatever, like it didn't happen. So you need to accept just categorically everything that made you who you are today. For me, 
I don't think it was more difficult uh, for for many people. Like I, my face was blown off my head. This is a, mm-hmm. this is a scar from this part of my cheek all over the most sensitive part of wow. body, and I had to watch people sew it sew that thing back on my head. Mm-hmm. And it took twenty five years for me to forgive, you know, the driver of the car, mm-hmm. and. At that time, I was able to release the resentments. Like I, I, I wouldn't have been a bit happier if statistic if I didn't right. have these scars. It's yeah. just like this fiction, and it doesn't matter. It's like accept reality. Like stop accepting having- reality. Yeah, and it's it's hard, you know, to even to even go to a place of gratitude for you know something that we think is bad that happens, you know, and that that caused this, and yet also in some you know, spiritual practices, you might do that, right? Because if you, if you accept it, we don't know what the, the hidden good in that, that thing is. Did you know one in five people will experience a mental health issue this year? Mentalhealththreads.com is your online shop dedicated to promoting mental health awareness and breaking the stigma surrounding mental illness. You can find fun, creative, and inspiring products like t-shirts, hoodies, and more, all with positive messages that remind us to take care of our mental health. Favorites like Perfectly Imperfect, Your Anxiety is Telling You Lies, It's Okay to Not Do It All, and No Risk, No Magic. Plus, we have a special collection just for therapists, like our bestseller, I'm a mom and a therapist, nothing scares me. So come check it out at mentalhealththreads.com. Our mission is to start important conversations about mental health and to remind you that you are not alone. Check out mentalhealththreads.com today. Since you asked about uh, Kabbalah before, I'll tell you, I was with Eitan at the Kabbalah Center and he looked at me and he said, do you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to, mm. do you know what the true Kabbalists did at Auschwitz when the Nazis took them out to shoot them? And mm. I said, no. And he said, they danced. Yeah. They danced to thank God for giving them hatred to overcome. That's See, that's a whole other level of spirituality. It's a level that they they believe there's going to be this revealed good that is is there. And and you accept, like you said, you accept the no. To accept the no is very hard. You know, I've I have had to do that in my own ways in personal life. I don't have kids. Did I want kids? Of course. I don't have them. But I, you know, so I have to accept that no. And that's again, that's a huge thing. And I don't know what the the revealed good is, but you've got to go forward that way. I mean, that's kind of a vulnerable reveal, but you know. And and for me, just for your listeners, I mean, Tara Brock's uh, Radical mm-hmm. Acceptance, I listened to 20 years ago, and it was just incredibly poignant. And, and you know, obviously she's a PhD and also a Buddhist nun. And, um, you know, she's the, I defer to her on, on mm-hmm. all of these things. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and so there's this, this place of not suffering, like accepting, right? The suffering is, I don't know, what's that trite thing? Suffering's a choice. Yeah. 
Pain yeah. is unavoidable. Suffering is a choice. And so for me, pain does not cause suffering. It's our intolerance of pain that causes suffering. And the expert on this is Eckhart Tolle. If you're mm -hmm. in pain, use it to experience the now instead of, you know, and pain is immediate. So instead of saying like, oh, I'm going to have that soup for lunch. If your arm is broken, you're not thinking of what you're having for lunch or your next vacation. The pain is overwhelming. And it says, get to the right. hospital, your arm is broken. So yeah, that to me is why I teach authenticity because, mm -hmm. you know, you could be sitting there in a restaurant or da, 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 da. And you could just be like, okay, I'm super uncomfortable, you know? There was one, I heard the story of where this Buddhist monk was asked to give a lecture at one of these like conferences, like Wisdom 2.0. And he went out there and he just looked at the audience and he'd never been in front of like a large audience before. And he just sat there for like five minutes. He goes, I'm very nervous. I'm very nervous. I'm very nervous. I'm very nervous. And he just was in the moment in mm -hmm. his bodily experience until it went away. And then he could give his little lecture. Oh, I love that. Beautiful, right? Yeah, it really is. It really so, is. So, so you had asked them about like a new definition of forgiveness and to help people. I'll just give Fred Luskins from a lecture I heard in 2008. He said, forgiveness does not mean condoning someone else's behavior. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness means releasing your right to resent that something happened. So my understanding of resentment is when you want something to be different that you cannot change. And uh, again, from chapter eight of how to survive your childhood, now that you're an adult, it's called square peg round hole syndrome. If you came home and saw your sister on the couch trying to shove a square peg into a round hole, you'd say like, stop it. Mm -hmm. But that's what your mind does. Your mind says, it makes up these like what it could have should have didn't oh i'd be happy now if i were taller if i had a bigger house if i had a smaller house if i had vacation there if i hadn't vacation there you know right and, and all, all of the depression it's, yeah right. <laughs> exactly and you know i i loved how you also again brought in the french word right of resentment resentiment resentiment Re yeah again and sentiment is sentiment so it's mm -hmm. interesting that there are things that you know if you're authentic like i'm in the present moment this is the way i feel and then i think about uh, falling off my bicycle when i'm four years old and it's re-traumatizing it, mm -hmm. because when i say it the way i just said it it's this judgment that that should not have happened. I should not have fallen off my bicycle. I would be a yeah. happier person now if I hadn't. And, and it's, again, it's just absurd. So we need to find language creates reality and we mm -hmm. have to try to be objective. You know, I, I, on some of my videos, I tell the story about how when people would come up to me in bars and cafes and say, how did you get that scar on your face? I would say I was almost killed in a car accident. And then I took a course like the one I teach and you had to tell the story of your life. And I said to the guy, I was almost killed in a car accident. And he said, no, you weren't. And I was like, well, actually, you know, like they didn't notify my parents. They didn't think I was going to live. My leg was shattered. Normally your femoral artery gets, you know. And so he said, uh, there was a car accident, like everything mm -hmm. else you added. 
Like you can't be almost killed. You can't be almost pregnant. If I was just sucking, right. I was just yeah. sucking people into my drama to try to gain sympathy for 27, 25 years. Mm-hmm. And so from now, from that point on, I changed my languaging. And instead of saying I was almost killed in a car accident, I say there was a car accident. Like we opened this podcast. That was my first right. sentence. There was a right. car accident. Yes. Right. Yeah. Wow. If the listener could also think about, you know, what is that trauma that you're still holding the feeling, the resentment toward, how can you say it in that way? To go, to your point, what you said, like uh, in another course that I took after 25 years, I I, I did flip the, the pain and discomfort. Mm-hmm. And I did say to this partner, I said, I'm supposed to have these scars on my face. I'm supposed to have this discomfort in my leg because of the foot and a half long scar I have there. And, you know, uh, I'm going to, after this, I'm going to go swimming. I'm going to take a walk and I'm going to have a little, there's a sensation in my leg. There's a sensation now with scar on my face. And Mm -hmm. it's one of those things. I'm just like, it makes me happy to be alive. It gives you this uh, extra presence in a way. Yeah, it's funny. Sonia Lubomirsky talks about people uh, in the how of the happiness. Hap- and it turns out that, you know, as I said, statistically, renters are happier than buyers. And then, um, you know, people who have experienced uh, the trauma, life-threatening, have a greater appreciation for life, which I think is, is kind of sad mm. because I think that we should teach our children that life is precious, life is a gift. And, you know, you don't competition and trying to attain these things, which we now know are not going to make you happy is, is, you know, it's just going to lead you to play video games all day to try to distract yourself from, from the fact that like you want to, you know, go out and play football and, and, and your mother's screaming at you to do homework on subjects that you don't give a shit about. Right, right. So what would you say the corollary is of the dinner party for the therapist, for therapists longing for connection? Because we we do work in so much isolation and and you've experienced it with your sold out workshops at Esalen and Kripalu. And so I think you're the perfect person to answer like connection and cultivating community for therapists. What does that look like? We need to support each other. I I had a group for like, um, we would do a talking stick and talk about the challenges of the week and then do like peer consulting. And, you know, we, I don't know anyone who's not a wounded healer. Mm-hmm. And we're all um, processing our trauma our whole lives, you know, it gets yeah. better, we get we become less reactive. And I do think that, um, you know, being of service to others is an essential part of our own healing journey. I mean, I, I see it there. I see a therapist, I'm going today to see my therapist. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, and right, and, exactly. And, we all do that. We should, yeah, we should. And so the dinner parties for me, it's a, it's like a place where I can not be wondering about like, I have this, this phrase, like, who is the author of your desires? Like, why do you think this shit that you think? And why do you want the things that you want? Mm -hmm. And when I'm at a dinner party, I totally drop that. I don't, I don't, it's, I don't think like, oh my God, like, does this person want to be wealthy because they, you know, like were made fun of in school and that's the way they prove themselves to whatever. I don't think like that at dinner parties. I just think like, like, 
I would love to hear this person's understanding of this artwork because I'm because I could learn something. Mm-hmm. And and or I would love to uh, you know just understand uh, what what shows this person watches on Apple TV because right. like I want I, I want to you know grow and learn it's, so. exactly so it's your curiosity your yeah. curiosity muscles that that you bring yeah. that's open instead of having to kind of like uh, be be meta as a therapist and wondering yeah. you know what else is going on with your client. Yeah, it's cultivating a sense of wonder, having awe, mm-hmm. and just you know, just being there, eyeball to eyeball, without the without the frame. And so, in psychotherapy, the frame of yeah. money and the uh, confidentiality and the room is is vital, important. You know, it wouldn't exist without it. And so, I like the fact that at a dinner party, like people interrupt and and someone mm-hmm. can jump into a conversation and someone can like overhear like a snippet and then say and add like oh you watch slow horses like i love gary oldman you know and yeah. you know things like you know where so right and so the intimacy has a different feel well here's a really interesting thing yeah to that point what could because you said that word it flipped off this switch in my head from adam phillips the who's i think is freudian and not lacanian but he's a psychoanalyst out of london and he's written some brilliant books and he says psychotherapy is the most intimate relationship you'll ever have without having sex Mm -hmm. and i find that to be beautiful i i I, you know like that that we have we can create that frame and and make people feel uh, safe and confident that uh, they have the freedom to be authentic and not be judged and that there's someone sitting across from them who who genuinely cares unfortunately i feel like the money part of it like like it makes people suspicious in a way it's at some points in time but um i don't know right but but deep down it's really about you know that we do touch the other people and allow ourselves to be touched as well, but touching, touching their souls. And, you know, I'll tell you the most beautiful thing I learned from a professor in graduate school for psychology. He, he turned to us one day. This, I, this it's so beautiful. He mm. said, my job is to lease my emotions in 50 minute 50 minute intervals. My job is to lease my emotions in 50 minute intervals. Wow. And that's why I got the phrase mirror neurons not fire via text message because it's it's that facial affect mm-hmm. and posturing our body similar the mirroring and matching which I teach which I'm yeah. sure your listeners are familiar with. So mirroring the person's like the, their their spine and their facial affect and if their head is cocked or if their mm-hmm. arms are folded, showing them like I'm with you. Right. And then the nodding and having the same, you know, facial yeah. affect. I really feel like 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 because we're able to have that uh, same emotional experience, the other person thinks I'm not crazy. Like, like I, I think a lot of times people like walk around, they go into Whole Foods. I always use this example and the person it's, and I'm the people at my Whole Foods are lovely. So don't, no one, you know, so, but it's, there's just in our daily capitalist interactions, I feel like there's, because of the money, there's this suspicion that the people mm-hmm. really don't care about us. 
And it makes us feel like, oh, maybe I'm not worthy about being cared about if I if I weren't, you know, of, 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 if I didn't have this wallet, you know? Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I really feel like we, again, this is why the dinner parties oh. and no, no money exchanging hands and people right. just- So it's not so transactional. The right. transactional piece can be difficult. Also for the therapist, you know, yeah. oh, I'm charging this much, you know, who am I? Uh, that's that sort of thing in in my ideal universe which is what you know it's funny that i say this i get paid a certain amount of money to write and i Mm -hmm. do psychotherapy practice psychotherapy and teach for free that would be ideal to me and the universe is not pandering to not on board yet so it's actually the opposite i earn my living as a psychotherapist and then I write and go out there and my, I just did audible uh, for the second oh. time. And I really, I think that in some capacity, um, like at 56 years old, this is, I learned like, that's my jam. Like for me nice. to write something, because I know that I, like, like you say, um, uh, how to survive your childhood now that you're an adult. And I said, adult, there's so certain- oh, right. And I don't know why. I mean, I'm not a pretentious asshole and say weekend or I don't say come over to my flat. So it's not (laughs) it's not Britishisms that I do. But there's something that is like a pattern interrupt in the way I speak. For me, being employed to read my own work is like is I don't know. It's it's there's something about it where I just feel like that that that's really like why my my purpose, you know, why why I'm here. Yeah, so. it's so it's so wonderful, Ira, and it and it it adds to the authentic experience too of the reader, the listener. You know, they they get you, and it just it deepens that much. You know, I really think that, and um, I just have to add with what you said about your professor, right, leasing your emotions. You know, and and now since we were talking about the mirror neurons, they even bring that up as like lending your limbic system. I oh. like leasing your emotions better because the less jargony, the better for our clients to understand too. And just for us to like, take it in. We, we could talk on and on. This has just been so inspiring. You you really inspire me, especially with the way you've incorporated your personal journey and your spirituality and, and just your just the way you are in the world into your life and your professional life as well. And sharing that with us on such a, an intimate and vulnerable level. I'm, I'm so grateful for, and I really acknowledge you for the work you're doing and the books and the trainings and please everybody. Um, I will tell you where you can find him, but you've got to see more of more of him and learn from him. <laughs> you're very kind. Um, Thank you yes. Very much. No, I mean that. So I always ask, what is your definition of a heart centered therapist? Showing up and like, I, I want to use the word like fearlessly authentic, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a very interesting phenomenon, the transition from like Freud to Carl Rogers and psychotherapy being hierarchical to today, mostly it's a relational, yeah. but I, I, I can tell you honestly that I'll be very frank here. There's been two situations where I spoke about myself in order to try to connect with the person and said, oh, that's just like me. I did that or da, 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 da. And it totally backfired. And I got like a nasty text message Hmm. saying like, I like they, like they actually 
it was my failure to establish rapport. And I know I was just trying to show like, this is relational. I'm right. trying to relate to you so I can so give, lend you solace that you're not the only one who's experienced this, this thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, twice in my 15 year career, it completely blew up in my face. And the person said, I think it was totally inappropriate for you to discuss your car wow. accident or whatever. Uh, and so for me, heart centered therapy is the ability to, you know, I, I'll just go to Carl Rogers. It's like unconditional positive regard when that's what the person needs. On the other hand, you know, some people also need moral authority, but that's going to mm-hmm. come across to them as love. Like, like in, that you care enough to say like, bad boy, don't do crystal meth in the morning. You know, right. it's, it's like, it's like you don't want to indulge them or enable them if they're behaving poorly or making poor choices. So right. for, so again, I'll go back to what I said about 45 minutes ago. I love being a psychotherapist because it's it's similar to chess in mm-hmm. that chess, you have to think five moves ahead. So a person says something and you have to think, okay, if I say this, that could land as criticism. I, I like, that's a, it's not the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, just make a note, like that's a suggestion, but they might, I don't think that this is the appropriate time for them to hear it. And so you just nod or you, right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, but, and that's, it's making that, that instantaneous decision to be compassionate. And I, and I would say, oh, if you as a therapist for, if, particularly if you're younger, like always default to compassion, like mm. always just like, if you have a choice to make in the room, just, just, just always say, wow, that sounds really challenging or, yeah, or beautiful. you know, yeah. just, you know, just, that's it. Mm. Powerful, powerful. And you know, maybe it's like we're playing the chess, we're doing therapy from that mindset of chess, but also playing with a heart, right? Like we have, we're always thinking those moves and that's what makes it so challenging and invigorating for us. And yet we also are coming to the board with a heart, you know, I, I love the compassion that really is such an underlying theme for your work, right? Even helping people with the forgiveness that it's, it's not from this place of pain, but from a place of love and vision for our lives in the future. And that's such a gift that you're giving people. So Ira, thank you. Tell us where we can find out more about you. IraIsrael.com. Audible is releasing Wired and Tired on April 10th. And I'm kind of, I'm very embarrassed about this, but you know, there's, but there's, there's 300 like mini teachings, like little things on TikTok and on Instagram and on YouTube. I've kind of condensed a lot of things. I don't know if those, those are the right media for me. I don't, I, I think actually Audible is the best one, but um mm-hmm. But, you know, I've once in a while, I'll just sit around and uh, talk into my phone like a crazy person <laughs> and uh, and then put it up on one of these uh, social media platforms. Right. Well, it's all, it's all on the, my, they're it's all pretty on the polished, I must say. They're great. So I, I really appreciate having this conversation. It's been so wonderful having you here. And everybody check out iraisrael.com. Thank you. Thank okay. you so much. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
And if you did, I invite you to subscribe and leave a rating or review. It really helps other people find this podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the links and resources mentioned. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.